1: to uh, Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross from the Diocese of Fargo joining you uh, solo today. Father Leffer, because of the weather conditions, is unable to make it uh, to our studio, but uh, he did call in during the Straight Talk segment, and we uh, sure appreciate being able to hear him and share some insights on various uh, questions that came up. There's one other brief question I wanted to talk about just uh, quickly before we get to our next guest here, as we have one more hour of the program today. A question was brought to to us, I have family that will be joining me for Christmas mass, and I know they don't attend regularly. How can I address holy communion and whether they should go or not without making them angry or embarrassed? Uh, That can be a very pastorally sensitive topic and something that, uh, you know, needs to be handled carefully. I applaud the person bringing this question with the desire to uh, do the right thing, uh, not just with the occasion of Christmas, but by their relatives in the first place. The the analogy that comes to my mind has to do with, let's say if you were invited as a a guest to someone's home, let's say for a dinner party or something like that, uh, there are certain unspoken rules of etiquette and Terms of how you would conduct yourself. It's not like they're uh, spelled out, but they're you know pretty commonly understood by everyone. That when you're a guest in their house, that um, you don't just uh, you know take over and as though the place were yours where you don't, uh, for example, you know, open up all of the cabinets and the uh, the, the bathroom and the kitchen and just kind of ransack places, you know. But uh, you recognize that, that, that you are a guest. Well, all of us, when we are coming to Mass, are guests in the house of the Lord. And as such, there are certain things that are requested of us. So only those who are uh, not uh, conscious of unrepentant mortal sin those who are properly disposed to receive the body and blood of Christ in Holy Communion should do so. There is also a reminder that if a person wants to walk forward and to receive a blessing, that uh, they come forward with their arms crossed in front of them. They can participate in the walking forward even if they're not receiving communion and either the priest or the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion can just extend a, a brief word of uh, graciousness uh, or, or, or blessing to them. That, that what's most important is to take that time and devote it to uh, love of Christ when we could just as easily be using that time doing anything else. So hopefully that's something that kind of touches upon that particular question. Um, our next uh, discussion here uh, is of a neighboring priest from the Diocese of Sioux Falls. We have Father John Rutten on the line. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. It's great to be back. It's, it's good to hear from you. And um, uh, are so um, ha- have you been getting the brunt of any of the uh, wintry weather that so many other places have been receiving in your part of South Dakota? We're right at the tail of it,
2: so uh, um, it's just a typical winter for us, and we just hear all of the rumblings uh, to the west and to the north of us. <laughs> the treasury that you guys are all under.
1: Right, right, because I think the uh, Black Hills region has been uh, socked in pretty good as well through this uh, recent storm.
2: Yeah, more so than I think they've had maybe in decades or so. they has been quite a, a dump that they've gotten. So My- we just have supplies. A little snow, a lot of
1: wind. Sounds yeah. like South Dakota. Well, every cloud, I guess, has a silver lining. Those areas can certainly use the moisture, but um, <laughs> it's 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 kind of hard to to come by it in this particular way. So, Father, uh, let, as we start off here, if you just uh, if I could have you just uh, acquaint our listeners, uh, those who may not be familiar with you, uh, please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, Father John Rutten, I am a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, been ordained 10 years now. Uh, I am assigned to the uh, priest chaplain at the University of South Dakota's Newman Center, uh, where I was a student uh, from 96 to 2000, graduated here with a business degree, went into the business world for a while. experienced sort of the lowest point of my life and uh, was sort of shocked to discover that at the lowest point, uh, that's sometimes where Jesus enters. Oftentimes, I think that's where Jesus enters. Uh, and had an encounter in my life that set me on a new direction uh, and ultimately led to the priesthood, led to where I've been after the last 10 years. So um, I've got a beautiful family that I love a lot. Uh, grateful to spend some time here coming up for Christmas with them. Um, but uh, listeners may be familiar with my brother Joe and my brother Paul Rutten. We uh, formerly were Rutten Radio, which is now uh, um, hibernating. We're not sure if it's totally complete, but uh, (laughs) we're not on Real Presence Radio anymore.
1: (laughs) Always leave the people wanting more. Isn't that what they say? (laughs) That's
2: what we thought, too. We thought, well, let's go out on a
1: high note. (laughs) So. Yeah, yeah. So you're uh, you're there in Vermilion, which is, uh, I suppose, relatively speaking, a uh, a mild, uh, milder uh, climate within the diocese of Sioux Falls. So, um, so what's it been like for you so far to be um, uh, in uh, campus ministry and and back among the Coyotes in your alma mater?
2: Yeah, it's been a surprise. Uh, I um, after my conversion, I would find myself in certain places of the United States or of the world. And, um, that I had been before, like literally standing in Times Square or walking, uh, the river in Chicago or, um, in Saint- San Antonio, or I'd just be taken right back to these previous places that I was before and I'd just hear the words of the scriptures, behold, that make all things new. And it was always just a moving moment where I realized, like, it, that true that real, that's real. That's true. And so yeah. to come that, when I was assigned here I thought, Oh my god, this is like <laughs> this is like the the culmination of that ten year journey of the Lord saying, See, I make all things new or sixteen years, however long I've been on this new journey. So yeah, right. it's been great. I love the university, I love being among everybody. But what I really love is the ability to communicate to young people. The fascination of the Christian events that, um, and the, and the hope that I have that the most unexpected people or the people who think they aren't interested might be the ones that most discover this as the reality that changes everything
1: yes yes indeed well one of the main things that we want to visit with you today is about is um, a group called communion and liberation I have uh, their website pulled up in the English language english.clonline.org and I suppose maybe uh, one of the easiest ways to talk about this group is to talk about as well its founder uh, Monsignor Luigi Giussani a servant of God who um, uh, was born a uh, hundred years ago this year or so if you can tell us a little bit about this group and what his vision was for it.
2: Yeah, he uh, as he famously said to uh, St. Saint, Saint John Paul II, uh, his vision for it was n- not a vision. He didn't intend it, it wasn't his plan, but he saw that it was something that God created uh, in the wake of his life. As he lived his faith, this was sort of a thing that came about. And he... Um, In the 50s was a priest in Italy at the seminary and had these experiences with young people and realized that they didn't understand the reasons for their faith. They could say all the right answers, but he recognized that there was a missing component of uh, that it didn't seem to affect their life. It didn't seem to be filled with wonder. It didn't seem to move anyone. And he saw all these other groups, communists and socialists and different people that had great vibrancy and they were really motivated. And and the Catholics just seemed to, like, have all the right answers but weren't motivated. There was nothing um, moving about them. And he intuited, rightly so, that we had lost the connection between faith and life. And um, so he asked the. Um, stepped down at the seminary, and he started teaching in a high school, um, and that the, his relationship with those students in that high school is what began this community, um, and his primary purpose was an educative proposal to help repropose the original Christian experience to people, um, and mm-hmm. uh, that eventually those students became adults, and those adults Uh, became the people who then coined the phrase communion and liberation, which is a recognition that when one lives faith in this companionship, this friendship, communion of the Church, that you experience freedom. You experience this liberation. You experience this openness to everything um, because you have the one thing that fills all of your needs, that answers that need of your heart. So communion and liberation the church, uh, but it's a particular way in which he lived it out, um, and his people, his children, as we call ourselves, um, Mm -hmm. live out the church
1: now as I was reading about uh, Monsignor uh, Giussani as uh, a native of the area around Milan and in, in northern Italy that um, you know a lot of people may think with uh, fondness toward that area in his young ad- or that uh, time frame of his young adulthood uh, just prior to the Second Vatican Council how you know in a lot of external ways the church seemed to be you know uh, the structure seemed to be uh, monolithic and, and uh, you know very prosperous whereas um, there were and you know, especially among the young people, sort of a lack of an understanding of the depth of what uh, the relationship with Christ uh, is meant to be. So, is that something that uh, uh, something that you recognize as well through his uh, through his life?
2: Yeah, absolutely. He he sort of intuited what we all saw the effects of, um, and a lot of people can say the Second Vatican. Some people say the Second Vatican Council is, like brought on this troubled. Circumstance afterward. What I realized through him is the problem was there before, but the Second Vatican Council opened up people's freedom, and we all had to be honest with the fact that it wasn't what we hoped it was, or it did in the heart, it wasn't what the external was. Um, and he believed right. that it connected, and he believed it didn't have to uh, be that way. And so that's mm-hmm. his desire to reconnect those two, uh, to give that power that the event gives
1: to every human person. Yeah. Well, we're just diving into this conversation here with Father John Rutten from the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And after this break, we're going to talk a little bit more about his involvement with this uh, important movement in the church called Communion and Liberation. And we'll do that on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live.
0: This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. In your year-end planning, consider an IRA rollover to
2: Real Presence Radio. Congress has made permanent the law that allows people age 70 and a half or older to make gifts directly from their IRA to charity. For many, this is the best tax-wise way to give. An IRA rollover gift will not be included in your taxable income and may qualify for your required minimum distribution. For more information,
1: please call Mike at 701-290-4503. Let's make a difference. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. Being a priest is a great joy in my life, and I love especially the celebration of Holy Mass, where there's the sacrifice of Jesus once again displayed before us, that we are informed by it, and it changes our life. Over time, the grace of the Lord actually gives us joy. And as a priest, to celebrate that sacrament, the sacrament of the Eucharist for people, and to bring God from the altar down to others and to give them the Eucharist is a great joy in my life. And as I distribute communion, I ask the Lord to bless each of the people that come up to receive the host. And I thank God for the great gift of the priesthood, which gradually came to me. It was not all at once, but over time I realized that the Lord was giving me the desire and ability to be a priest and to be a man in Christ, a man of the church and a man for others. And he eventually showed me that that was the true joy that
0: where my deep gladness met the world's great need. And that is the essence of a vocation. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com.
1: Thanks for sticking with us on Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross, happy to be joining you today from our Grand Forks studios. Uh, Father Jason Leffer is uh, listening remotely, and uh, uh, we uh, hope we'll be able to join us uh, next time. And uh, wherever you happen to be, we hope that you are uh, safe and sound as you are riding out this um, uh, weather system that's impacting a lot of areas. Um, a a lot of parts of our listening area. So we are talking with uh, Father John Rutten from the Diocese of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, uh, his experiences with regard to um, this uh, Catholic movement called Communion and Liberation. Recently, I understand that this uh, took you on a trip to Rome. Can you tell us a little bit about this?
2: Yeah, the uh, founder, uh, Servant of God, Luigi Giustani, celebrated his 100th birthday, he's uh, deceased of good memory, Um, but uh, his 100th birthday was October 15th, 2022, and uh, Pope Francis invited the members of the charisms to gather together to celebrate his birthday, which is kind of, I mean, in a sense, it's like super simple, like, hey, let's have a birthday party, uh, which really was what it was, but also the profoundness that the Holy Father would take seriously this birthday of this man that uh, has influenced us so much. And so we gathered uh, in St. Peter's Square uh, at the Basilica on the 15th with Pope Francis, and I don't know if there were like 40, 50, 60,000 uh, other people wow. who um, recognized the impact that this man has had in our relationship with Christ and the church. Um, and uh, the thing that I think first struck me about being there. Um, I went with Father Scott Miller, the priest of our diocese, and, uh, grateful to go in a companionship of, uh, that has helped nourish our belonging to this movement. And when we got there, one of the first things the Holy Father said to us was he talked to us about the impact that Dasani has had in his own life. And I had known that, uh, for multiple reasons, but it was striking that when we're gathering here, he wasn't talking to us as, like, people he was distant from, but as someone who understood why this man changed us, and how this terrorism was a part of our life, and so he just spoke from a very personal um, way about Luigi Giussani, and uh, that was really striking, To think, wow, you're kind—I mean, you're in charge of all of us, but you're kind of here for the exact same reason we're here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it was a beautiful time to be
1: together. Yeah, you know, and it's a reminder that we're all pilgrims and we're all disciples uh, seeking the same thing uh, deeper uh, communi- deeper communion with Christ and uh, the freedom that comes uh, from the Holy Spirit. So, was that just kind of a, a large group setting in which the Holy Father spoke to you, or were there um, uh, smaller opportunities perhaps to meet him in person? How did that work?
2: Well, I'm sure there were smaller opportunities. Uh, I felt privileged uh, to be where I was in St. Peter's Square up front, but I certainly didn't uh, have any other smaller groups. There was a beautiful gesture made by the members of the Roman community, those that belong to the movement that live in Rome, and they invited all of the foreigners to come to one of their parishes for a night of singing and food and fellowship. Um, and Wonderful. that was a really beautiful Uh, opportunity to sort of see the life of the charism in a place where it's long been and um, has a a deeper history. And uh, yeah, it was a beautiful opportunity um, for all of us to see that in all of these different places across the globe, that the movement is impacting people in the same way that it's impacting me here in Vermilion, South Dakota. Um, uh, Yeah, so it was a beautiful camp.
1: Yeah. Now again. um for, for, uh pardon my ignorance here uh, father but uh, one of the questions i was wondering about with this is what the um what the format uh, looks like if a person wants to, um, uh, you know, um, carry out the, um, uh, the charisms of uh, communion and liberation in your local setting. Is it, uh, in terms of what does it look like, is it like a, a fraternal organization with monthly meetings and dues or, you know, how does this kind of take shape in, in, uh, in in individual individual in an individual town like uh, your parish, for example, or, or something like that. Yeah,
2: uh, um, I would say that this, this uh, I, there is there is a structure to what we do, but I would say it's very important to me at least that I recognize that it's the meeting of a friend. The charism is. First and foremost, that I need a people who are living in such a way I want to share with my life with them. I want to spend more time with them. I want to learn more about what they... And I think that is important that we... Otherwise, we set up a structure that um, maybe isn't helpful or isn't... the. But if we need a people, then we follow what it is that they're living. And the movement, the people that live the movement, what we live, is... Uh, weekly school of community, we call it. It's okay. uh, the educational charism that we're trying to accomplish. And so we gather together. We read a text either from the founder uh, or from the current president of the movement. or And we get together. Every, every day you read like 15 minutes, if you can imagine, like your spiritual reading. And there's a particular method that we're doing with that. Uh, but when we come together once a week for an hour, we then share with each other the fruit of what we have read as a way of, number one, giving witness, but number two, also it educates us to a bigger dimension because we see how Christ is working in someone else's experience. Um, and uh, so that would be the primary thing. It's just one hour every week. And then there's a charitable component that every, you have a local community and your community then does a the charitable work um does something to serve the needs of the people in your area um and uh, then there's the common fund which is a financial contribution that is uh of the amount that the person decides for their own themselves but dasani really believed it was important that we recognize in the financial component that this is a place that has given me something and so i want to contribute in return Sure. Um, that then, within that, if you find that this is a place that truly is the way Christ has given to you to live the Church, there is uh, the fraternity of community liberation, which you can register for. That's the only time you actually, like, are signing up for something or belonging to something.
0: Okay. And
2: with you choose that, then you freely choose people to live in a fraternity group with, and then you more share life and maybe go spend time together once a month and, um, you know, you have a deeper relationship and it's a smaller group. Um, In addition, I would say there are cultural events. We take vacation, which many people just like a church. If you can imagine going on to camp with, you know, church friends or something, Um, every year is a big part of it. And then there's something called the New York Encounter in the United States, is a uh, a missionary gesture of culture that happens in February in Manhattan every year, um, and uh, in Italy there's a larger one called the Meeting in Rimini, um, and it's just an opportunity for us to be in dialogue with various various things. Uh, that's kind of a longer conversation to explain it, but those would be the the dimensions of like the concrete ways. Right. Um, there's retreats. We have an Advent retreat, a Lent retreat. We have uh, spiritual exercises every year when we um, get together for a week. There's, we begin every year sort of on the cycle of the school system, um, so there's a gathering then. Um, so there's a lot of different dimensions, but at its heart, most people meet for school of community once a week for one hour. It's totally free. People can come or go or check it out or not check it out. Um, right, but at its heart, the longer I've been around, I realize it's a friendship of people, and that's just the nature for the church. And this particular group's called Community Liberation, but there's a lot of movements in the church, and a lot of ways that gather together.
1: Excellent. We just have a couple of minutes left here, Father. But uh, one thing I was curious um, about—sort of a two-part question—about how many years you have uh, been—you've dived. How many years since you've dived into um, this uh, communion and liberation lifestyle? And as you see your spiritual life now, you know what is kind of the the difference. How has it really impacted you, as as opposed to beforehand? It's
2: been, I think, twelve years ago that I met the some people in cl that okay. uh basically the minute i met it i was like this is i'm already doing whatever you're doing i don't know who you are but you can't get rid of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm coming back next next week and i want your phone numbers and tell me why you're doing what you're doing yeah. um so uh it, it and i think that is uh my experiences. We, um, it has changed me dramatically, but in a real way, I was already living in a certain dimension that when I met them, I was like, ah, um, if anyone's ever been a part of a 12-step group, like how they run their weekly meetings or their home group, they might call it, and how you read a, a book and then you look at your life and then you share and then you pass to the next person, like, um, you know, I had done things already in my life that these you know, um, every every day after Mass, I used to, I do, I pray the Angelus, and it was a personal devotion of mine. Nobody told me to do it. I don't even know why I started doing it. Well, I meet CL, and they begin every one of their meetings with the Angelus.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm like, so in some ways, my life hasn't changed. I just found people who were living similar. My life right. has dramatically changed, and because I feel like, I found a people who number one have something that's moving. So I followed. I don't have to create it all the time. It's not up to me. I don't have to. I just, I'm just following this river that's moving. That's been a big change is to learn to just let it go. And then I would say I found answers to questions that I'd always had. Um, You know, I don't even, can't even get into all of it, but like the connectedness of math to, um, my life or what does it mean that a Protestant minister brought the encounter with Christ, but I became a Catholic priest like um, just things that uh what 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 does it mean that baptism seems to have no effect in people um and then all of a sudden they need Jesus and it changes everything like all these questions that I had it didn't mean yeah. I was doubting the church, but it just didn't make sense uh through this journey like so much has been answered of those things that um, I just feel like I have a different way of communicating faith through my preaching, through my teaching. Um, I mean, you can't hear me or listen to me without, in some ways, keep the spirit of the movement.
1: Right, right, and once again, that uh, website is english.clonline.org. Father John Rutton, thanks so much for uh, sharing this with us, and uh, blessings to you in this uh, wonderful time of year. Thank you. Yeah, blessings to all of you guys too in Advent, and everyone listening. My prayers for you as we approach Christmas thanks so much father well up next what can the early christians teach us about love amid religious persecution that's what we'll be exploring after this short break you're listening to real presence live
0: this is real presence live where the focus is not on the evil around us but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good we're local engaging and live on the real presence radio network